Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, live and local, coming to you from beautiful downtown Las Vegas, as per usual, high atop the Sam and Ash building. Uh, look, I, folks, I, um, uh, I, I think the speaker race is going to be messy, to say the least, for the coming several days. A third vote scheduled, I think, possibly uh, for tonight. Uh, those of you saying that Matt Gates uh, somehow has, uh, well, you know, we called him a clown, and people are are very upset with him for certainly for 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 deposing uh, Speaker McCarthy and doing so, quote unquote, without a plan. Now it seems to me, right, that we're twenty two votes away from what could be ultimately the greatest populist takeover of a branch of government uh, since Trump in 2016, getting the White House. This is, uh, this is a big deal. And now, at this point, allowing a guy like Speaker Pro Tempore, Patrick McHenry, who has a liberty score of 46%, somewhere in the neighborhood of the average member of the Democrat caucus, is... Not an acceptable alternative here. Jordan would make a phenomenal House Speaker. There is zero doubt about that. If you are conservative, if you want to see government working for you, instead of for the special interests, Jordan's your guy. So that's, there's no doubt, right, that the, the holdouts here, particularly those that would love nothing more than to go back to the McCarthy regime, you know, are fighting this. And I think it's, as I said yesterday, I, you know, the, the, the original eight, as they've been called by some in conservative media, uh, pejoratively, of course, uh, singled out for elimination in uh, primary uh, battles, uh, upcoming election. The original eight have simply showed us who the swamp 20 are, or 22 now. So Jordan's going behind the scenes now. Apparently, I have to tell you this, apparently it was a mess behind closed doors. 11 o'clock local time, Republicans all went uh, into a uh, caucus meeting, basically just the Republican uh, body of, of House members. And, and it was, uh, to say it was is dr- dramatic, I, I mean, I, I can't even, that doesn't even begin to cover it. I guess uh, Speaker McCarthy, well, he's not Speaker anymore, but uh, Kevin McCarthy at one point yelled at Matt Gates to sit down. When Matt Gates uh, started to speak, he took the microphone to, to say something. And I, uh, by people that were in the room familiar with the incident, because there were no recording devices present, I think they had to leave their phones outside. Basically, what, what apparently then transpired is Matt Gates told him that he'd been fired and to shut up. So it, 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 was, it was messy, to say the least. Uh, it was, yes. Um, well, there's a vote imminent. Yeah, I've seen this now, Robbie. It's, it's the third, third Jim Jordan speaker vote is imminent. Well, it's four, four o'clock in the afternoon in Washington. So this is, uh, this is it. And, and Jordan's meeting with the holdouts. And, and there's something to be said about him. Don't underestimate this guy because he, he does have personal appeal to people. He is... After all, a, a smart guy, yeah, a background in wrestling. You know, he was a phenomenal, accomplished wrestler. Of course, had some issues with uh, 
Now, there was some sexual harassment uh, cases in, in his in his tenure there when he was a coach where, you know, he, that's been a mark on his record. And not a lot of people are bringing that up right now because, of course, Jordan has proven himself uh, to be a reliable conservative and ideologically and consistently presented Republican positions and fought for them. Now, I, I, I don't have a prediction of how this goes. Remember, there are only two votes in. McCarthy, it took 15 rounds because he knew he could get, I mean, he didn't know, but he was confident he would do whatever it, it would take to get it done. There's a deal to be had here. But I don't think Jim Jordan and the conservative members of the Republican caucus ought to give up the ghost, you know, in the opening stages of this. I don't think that's the right approach. The defeatism right now in our party, uh, even among my friends that are well, in politics, I, I, they feel like this is, a, this is a clown show, and it's all the same stuff that we heard back in January. We look bad, they say. As Republicans, we look bad, and they're concerned with the optics and however many days now, two and a half weeks without a speaker, that it is making the Republicans, it's damaging the Republican brand. And, uh, you know, I, I, I continue to maintain that the only thing that is damaging to the Republican brand is to continue to deficit spend ourselves to disaster. You talk to the average American, one, they, of course, majority of Americans back a balanced budget, one that does not incur continuous deficit spending. But the, the other thing that most people agree on, actually, is, you know, the, the idea that that, that even people who are socially, how many, how many people do you know that say, and they vote, they, they, may, they may vote, you know, mostly Democrat, but there's something that they say. They say that they're socially liberal, but fiscally conservative, right? I, I, you, you've heard this, you, you know people like this. And to those people, if they're fiscally conservative and socially liberal and Republicans do the same amount of deficit spending and, 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 and put pork into every bill and, and basically act in no different way, no differently to Democrats, then, then what, is, what is the reason for those middle of the roads, let's say center, 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 right? Americans to, to ever vote Republican again. So there is, an, there is a fight absolutely here for the, for the very definition of what it means to be Republican. And a guy like McHenry, uh, who's the you know the guy with the bow tie? Who's just this is this the, he is not the kind of Republican that is go, is going to carry the day in terms of establishing this as a as a party that is an answer to what Democrats are doing on the Hill, and that's that's a fact. So Jim Jordan, though the, the idea here is that they'd make a temporary speaker, right? They would appoint McHenry to be in the role until January. That was the proposal. And it's now completely blown up, rightly so. Even Jim Jordan supported it, which I think was a, a blank, a bad move on his part. Jim Jordan essentially you know, allying himself with, with Kevin McCarthy. They wanted to just push the ball down the road. Give you some idea of who McHenry is, just 
I mean, just for just for reference, I mean, he's voted for every Ukraine spending bill. He's voted for, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, HR, he did, he did 2670, he did, um, he did, yeah, he, uh, he did 5692 the, in 2023. I mean, he's been behind everything. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, this is not a guy that we want, that we want running the balance of the year here and the Republican agenda in the House and on the Hill, not the guy. So Matt Gates, uh, when he left the caucus meeting, was uh, apprehended by reporters and asked him about this uh, temporary speaker appointment. This is what he had to say. But do you think that... I'm against Speaker Light. I'm against Bud Light. I believe it is a constitutional desecration to not elect a Speaker of the House. We need to stay here until we elect a Speaker. And if someone can't get the votes, we need to go on to the next person. But but twisting and torturing the Constitution to empower a temporary Speaker is having a Speaker light that is not constitutionally contemplated, is deeply infirm, and I will do everything possible to stop it. Yeah, and, and my my addition to it is just lock them in in the room. Don't you know make them make them come together and agree on somebody. That's the solution. So let's do that. Jim Jordan then asked by reporters what his next steps would be. This was about two hours ago. Listen to what he has to say. So I'll just say this: we made the we made the pitch to um, members on the resolution as a way to lower the temperature and get back to work. Uh, we decided that wasn't where we're going to go. I'm still running for speaker, and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. Particularly, I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me um, so that we can move forward and begin to work for the and American people. And that's something he walks away and ends the interview. Now, Gates got asked, by the way, on CNN's Manny Raju show there on Capitol Hill today whether he regretted um, well, whether he regretted deposing McCarthy and causing chaos. What did you actually get for leading this charge to push out Kevin McCarthy? We're shaking up Washington, D.C. We're breaking the fever. And you know what? It's messy. But the only reason people think there's chaos in this town right now is because the special interests aren't in control anymore. So I think we're going to have an upgrade at the position of Speaker of the House. For me, it was never about any one person. It was, about, it was about ensuring that we got an upgrade at the position. Kevin McCarthy had failed us. He'd made multiple contradictory promises. We weren't really governing under McCarthy. Everybody's making this big deal out of the fact that you know, we've burnt the equivalent of four legislative days on all of this. But, I mean, we've spent like seven legislative days on post offices and procedural votes, for goodness sakes. This is what it's supposed to be. And it's not clean and it's not orderly. And the lobbyists and the special interests hate it. But I don't seem to mind. Yeah, bingo. This is exactly right. It doesn't have to be neat and tidy. That is what the Democrats always tell us we need to do. We know better. They're always, they always want everything to be, anytime it's too squeaky and too clean and there's too much consensus, easy consensus, I, I tend to get very suspicious of that. Democracy, folks, can be messy. But the product at the other end of that mess can be glorious. And if you study the American Revolution and the aftermath and you know constitutional convention, all that, you realize uh, that you know t- temperatures went up and disagreements were strong, but the net net result was a more perfect union. 
So there we have it. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Back in a moment, folks. Lots to cover these two hours that we have together. This hour of the show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, let's put this into perspective. We have, on one hand, the option to have a Speaker of the House pro tem, Representative Patrick McHenry, who's been in office North Carolina since 2006, has a Liberty score of F at 54%. Or we can have Jim Jordan, whose Liberty score is 94%. See the difference? Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism. To me, it's pretty common sense here. <laughs> we, look, you can just be, what, what, did, what did Gates say? Yeah, I'm speaker light. Well, he made, it, was a, it was a Bud Light reference. I would say the same thing for being Republican light particularly on fiscal conservatism, which is a selling issue for people even across party lines. So there it is. In other news, of course, it's getting wild out there. Uh, You saw probably the State Department has issued a worldwide terror travel advisory. Uh, They're urging uh, U.S. citizens, for example, to leave Lebanon and other countries around Israel and Israel, for, for, in my observation, it seems as though they're, they're kind of done talking. You'll notice that they're, they're not, they're holding off right now. They're, they're preparing. They've, you know, they've, they've instructed, right, the Gazan citizens in the north to relocate to the south. That apparently is, is gone on to some extent. But there's, uh, there's, there's stuff happening. And in, in the midst of all of this, if you can believe it, so Biden goes to, goes to Israel yesterday, comes back on the plane, looks half dead. He does an interview on the plane. Now, th- this is a common thing that, that presidents do. He, they, they will interact in a casual, more casual way with reporters, and they will, you know, they'll, they'll kind of just, yeah, they'll stand there in between, you know, the, the executive side of the cabin where the conference room offices is and the president's suite is and, the, and, the, and kind of where the media scrum, call it more standard, you know, call it first class, you know, air, airline seating. So in that area, they'll, they'll stand and they'll talk to the press because the press can't go without being accompanied past that point. So he's in the doorway there talking to the, to the, to the press and I mean, it, is, it was disastrous, right? Everybody who's is commenting about the fact that it's, it's, it, there's the dementia's getting worse and, and it is more pronounced when, you know, there's fatigue involved and, and time zone, you know, this kind of travel is, is extremely challenging for somebody with this condition. But that's not even the, the worst of it. And I, I, I played for you some of the stuff he said yesterday was, you know, he was reading from note cards and I sit down with Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, but one of the things that really astounded me then is that his, his comms team had tweeted out, 
this is, and it was up for hours. They they tweeted out a, a, a photo of, uncensored photo of, you know, Biden there in that meeting in, in, in Israel, in, in Tel Aviv, meeting members of the Delta Force that are there to presumably help with hostage rescue efforts. This is an enormous compromise. I can't overstate this. The identities, right? The faces of these special forces operators who are on the ground. I mean, that is something that presumably uh, the, the intelligence services and, and, and no doubt the military would, would, would want to keep, keep quiet. But this is the problem. The, the reason that this happened is because the people working inside the Biden White House are just total nincompoops. They've got some, you know, I don't know, I could say intern, but somebody working their, their Twitter account, and they have no respect for the military. They have no real-world awareness of, of how, how much danger exists. They, to, to them, this is all fantasy land. They're, they're, they're almost as if they're, they're stumbling through some kind of simulation. So they, they, that nobody, you know, in the entire Biden comms team, as they're putting out a tweet, by the way, you need, presumably there's some layers of approval for tweets that go out. So the idea that, that the, his team then tweets this out, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's terrible. Now, remember that uh, back in August of 21, Biden potentially compromised uh, some CIA analyst identities because his own team again tweeted out some on-screen, you know, a meeting with on-screen that had analysts in, in like real time on screen with their locations. This was like a Zoom call or, you know, not, not Zoom, but a, a video call with, with CIA analysts. And then in May 2011, going back some years, Biden outed SEAL Team 6 as the operators who got bin Laden the day before. And we're, remember, we, we, we were told in 2020 that the reason that we should vote for, for Biden is because this, you know, he— he was the competent one, right? Trump was a buffoon. He's a bull in a china shop. He was doing nothing but idiotic things. So we needed, we needed Joe Biden to come in and be the, the reasonable guy. And, uh, and that, that, that this just is, is one of many lies that the media continues to tell. Now, speaking of that, some of this buffoonery that I described yesterday in the media has continued and continues to to spread these headlines are, are just awful. The New York Times now, it has been reported, has done something. Remember I shared those headlines yesterday, Robbie, we talked about this, how the story gradually evolved from, well, Israel dropped a bomb, Israel did, and then a bomb was dropped and then it changed to a blast on the hospital. And then later we found out it wasn't even a hospital, it was the car park in front of the hospital, and the hospital itself wasn't damaged. Yesterday, after the program, I met with some people who are reasonably informed, and they had no idea that the bomb hadn't fallen on the hospital. So let me tell you, when we come back, I got, I, I got it. This is, I actually missed this yesterday as I was looking at these front pages from the New York Times. What they did there was just absolutely unbelievable. All right, Sam Arjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. When we come back, I'll share that with you. 
Stay tuned, folks. Lots to cover. The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian behind the What's Right microphone. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only law firm to trust for your personal injury case. 702-820-1234. In a crash, call Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right. Now, yesterday, New York Times, Washington Post, a bunch of newspapers ran the story. Well, yesterday and the day before and the day before that when first reports came out that Israeli rockets had leveled a hospital in Gaza, a Baptist hospital, and that 500-plus people were dead. That story ran like wildfire. We analyzed it here yesterday. And by the way, Rashida Tlaib, she still is pursuing this, right? She's still out there saying that this happened, even though it's been completely now, I think, roundly debunked but at any rate yeah she's still this was today no yesterday yesterday when the story was already pretty clear this was what she was saying people think it's okay to bomb a hospital with children you know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and and the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry they, do, they can cry. I can cry. We all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. And so I'm telling you right now, President Biden, not all America's with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. We are literally, literally watching people commit genocide and killing a vast majority just like this. And we still stand by and say nothing. We will remember this, but all of you, you need to know, I swear to God, you are on the right side of history. You are. And by the way, her tweet, well, let me check it right now. As of right now, her tweet saying that Israel just bombed the Baptist hospital, killing 500 Palestinians, doctors, children's patients, just like that, um, is still up. So... I'll tell you what I find even more preposterous than continuing this blatant lie. That is, as information came out that this was, uh, at least, at the, very, at the very least, a rocket of unknown, an explosion of unknown origin, the New York Times continued to run the story using a picture of a building that had been destroyed, but it wasn't that building. It wasn't that hospital. It was some completely other building. This is how deceptive the media is, right? In other words, you know, what, there are two elements of that story that made it particularly uh, newsworthy, right? And the first element of it was not even that it was an Israeli rocket, but this was an entire hospital destroyed. 
And the implications of that is not just the immediate loss of life, but the killing of doctors and nurses, people who can render aid to an injured civilian population in the middle of a war. It's a big deal, right? So setting aside who actually fired what rocket, like that was the component of the story that was, uh, I, I think, particularly enraging. And yet they just, they, it, it, it was ultimately the real pictures on the ground came out and seemed to show, you know, burned out cars in a parking lot. That's it. And even as that information became available, the New York Times continued to run its completely erroneous cover uh, photo for that story. Now, I say continuing to run because, you know, this is, we're not in 1980 anymore. You don't print an article, you know, it doesn't go to print at, at three in the morning and it's hot off the presses and you, you can't change it. These articles can be updated. They're online. You can do stuff in real time and, and make tweaks. They did it to the headline as their claims became more and more ridiculous, but they didn't do it with the photo. And frankly, even I didn't catch it until much later last night when I'm looking at all these photos, I go, what the hell is going on here? So I'm just, you know, th this, this is enraging to me. Now, one thing I want to point out too is, folks, the, the ability to, between deep fake technology, right, where you can basically turn one person saying one thing and make it look like it's somebody different, or you can change what they're saying, and it, between that technology... And the enormous power of AI uh, and the graphic and uh, a graphic generation front, you know, the imagery is tremendously powerful. And I think the new front line of warfare really is going to be on the information front because you'll be able to fake just about any photo. And it's this is in my, in my lifetime. This is I think the first major conflict where it's starting to be an issue. And we saw this a week ago, you know, people were, well, say, well, that wasn't a real, that's not a real picture of a burned human body. As if a defense to saying, well, that did, you know, that's not what Hamas, Hamas didn't burn, you know, people that, little kids that were bound and gagged and shot and burned alive. I mean, you, you get it, right? That was, that was, that kind of discourse was actually going on on, on Twitter, on X, and, and other platforms. People were having that debate. And instead of, I think it's, it's easy for people to dismiss it and say, well, this is just hackery and it's a, uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a, 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 a way to d debate something that, you, you know, it's almost, it's an assertion that's almost impossible to disprove, although there are some tools online where you can throw an image, upload an image into it, and it will tell you if it's real or not. But of course, that also can be, can be, can be manipulated. So, uh, so, you know, besides it being a, a way to make a, an almost entirely unprovable or disprovable uh, assertion, I think this is going to be a real thing in, in conflicts to come where images, because if people are so quick to react to this, and you have a side like the, the Palestinian side here, the Hamas side, 
wants to inflame every radical Islamist across the world. They want to bring the battle right here to Vegas, to Michigan, to L.A., to New York, to every town in this country and every town in the West that they possibly can. Using, of course, their, you know, their sympathizers. This is why we're seeing, and, and what are they doing to get these people to, to become hysterical like this? You can hear Rashida Tlaib crying and turning into a mess. What's, what's causing it? Well, they're, they're using images, and not all of them are accurate. Now, what, again, the New York Times didn't create a fake image. They just used the wrong picture. And one of the great things that you have on, on Twitter, on the platform now, is you, you have community notes, and people will write on a particular photo. Well, no, this is from, from Syria, from, you know, from 2016. This, this, this is not a current picture. Of the, and, and, and that helps. But these are not people looking for the nuanced, true position. These are people looking to be enraged. It doesn't help that someone like Rashida Tlaib is, you know, is, is telling her followers that they're the ones being targeted. Listen to this. You know you're being targeted. You're being gaslit. Some people are losing their jobs. Folks are getting events canceled. Literally, their First Amendment right wiped away for standing up and saying that children deserve to live. It is pure, literally inhumane for my colleagues to allow that to continue and say nothing. Now, one week ago, last Tuesday, to be precise, a reporter with Fox News, Hillary Vaughn, caught up with Congresswoman Tlaib uh, in the Capitol as she was walking out of her office and asked her for comment about Hamas's terror perpetrated on innocent Israeli civilians, particularly children. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this brutality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads? Do you condone what Hamas has done, chopping off babies' heads, burning children alive, raping women in the street? And she's ignoring it, right? She's just walking right past, doesn't care. You have no comment about children's heads being chopped off? Yep. Nope, she doesn't. No comment. Doesn't even want... Congressman, why do you have the Palestinian flag outside your office if you do not condone what Hamas terrorists have done to Israel? There you go. There's a question. Do Israeli lives not matter to you? Yeah, no, they don't. That's the story here, and this is what's so profoundly disgusting. This is beyond First Amendment discourse. Now, I'm, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, folks. I, I, I struggle with this because I, I mean, you, you had Tlaib there telling the crowd yesterday that it is, quote, pure, literally inhumane for my colleagues to allow that killing of, of children to be happening and to continue and say nothing. So I, you know, I, tr I try to be consistent in all this, and I got to take a break because I, I struggle with this. On one hand, you know, cancel culture, right? That it's, it's to me, I, I, I think it, 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 it offends my traditional notions of, for, you know, for fairness, for free speech, and, you know, equal treatment. And I understand that I have to hear views that are, that are abhorrent, in order to maintain my right to speak freely. I get that. 
But I can't, I got to confess to you, am I enjoying slightly the uh, schadenfreude of all of this, that the left that has created this cancel culture is now getting a taste of their own medicine? And the answer is yes, I am. Let me explore this with you a little bit and, and bear with me because, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm torn about this, to be perfectly honest. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. So, of course, one of the things here that Rashida Tlaib in Washington is complaining about is that folks are losing their jobs. They're getting canceled. They're getting silenced for exercising their First Amendment rights. Now, I mean, listen, I mean, the left has weaponized speech and cancel culture in a way that has disproportionately obviously affected conservatives over the past decade. And now they're getting a taste of their own medicine. And I'm my, my sense of this, right? I'm I'm I I certainly want to live in a space in a society where we are able to express ourselves. But I also want, as a business owner, for example, to be able to say, "Look, I you know your values don't." I want to have the freedom, right, as a business owner, to say that somebody who who maybe you know works for me and is openly celebrating the death of innocent people, uh, I wouldn't have the ability to fire them. I think I, 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 we as private companies ought to have that right. I also think there's a little bit of a different thing going on with social media. That's a separate category because social media is a marketplace for ideas. It doesn't mean that they all have to be right. I don't like the idea of misinformation, and that's an entirely separate issue from, you know, from, from cancel culture, right? This is a, a matter of, you know, how are we treating individuals who have abhorrent views? I'll give you an example. There is a gal, a city bank banker, who put a social media post up. I think she worked in New York. She's a CUNY Brooklyn College graduate. Nozima Husainova, 25 years old. She puts up an Instagram thing and she says, no wonder why Hitler wanted to get rid of them all. Had a little smiley face emoji. And this, by the way, is a response to the story that's now been completely debunked about the Baptist hospital in Gaza getting bombed by Israel, okay? Now, Citibank has come out and said, we're not going to tolerate this, and they fired her, all right? I saw a picture of a couple of students uh, in London, I believe, who were, there was a a poster up uh, of, of the, Victims of the of the kids that were were killed uh, in the attack, uh, you know, by the original attack by Hamas, and they were taking photos of themselves giving the middle finger 
to the victims, picture of the victims, and then posting it presumably up on their social media. You have a right to say it, but there are going to be consequences for you to say it. There have to be. And so I, I'm starting to think that for the left, if you, you, know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you want to tell the world that you are a bigoted anti-Semite and that you hate Jews so much that you want to see Jewish babies dead, well, I am very, I'm personally very grateful that we have the First Amendment because now we know who the Nazis are. No? What a tremendous advantage. And if you listen, if you, if you want to say despicable things, that's fine, but it's going to come at a cost to you. And it is a different issue entirely. You know, we, we, could go on, I mean, we could go on for days about this, right? I remember, yeah, weapon, I, right? Somebody says they're voting for Trump and they show up with a MAGA hat, right? And they're fired from their jobs, right? A MAGA hat, wearing a MAGA hat. Well, okay. I mean, maybe if an employer doesn't want to hire somebody with the MAGA hat, but I'm telling you, that all starts to seem very trivial compared to people posting glorification of, 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 of baby murder. I don't know. Am I missing something? So I would, you know, I, I'll tell you, I'll, I will... I will, I strongly believe that none of this, these obscene posts ought to be deleted from Instagram or be deleted, you know, be removed uh, by Twitter. I, I think all of this should be up for the world to see. We shouldn't let this hide in the shadows because there is an enormous amount of, of raging anti-Semitism right now in the West. And it's something we have to contend with. But in order to in order in order to deal with it, we have to see it. So my you know my my view on this is you know is uh, I I don't feel too badly for these people that are getting fired. Do you? I mean, tell me if you feel differently. Let me know. I'm I'm curious. My email, as you know, Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. I'm. I, I mean, what do you what do you do? I mean, you, you you saw the dentist, right? There was a dentist in Miami that was going around, and, and it, it, the video went viral. We, nobody knew he was a dentist. He looked like a young, you know, good looking guy. He's going running around Miami, tearing down the posters, the the missing, the abducted Israelis that had been you know taken to the Gaza Strip, and he was tearing down the posters and, and celebrating, and so the. The office that employs him, the, the, the dental office, put out a post saying, hey, it was, this is not compatible with our values, and sorry, buddy, you're done. And they scrubbed him from their social media and said, we're done with this. I think businesses need to have the right to do that. That's, that's another form of freedom. You have, the, you, know, you have the freedom to and the freedom from. And that, that tension, right, that, that, that's what... That those are fundamental elements of a free society. So yeah, that's that's my summation here. I would say you, you're absolutely you're absolutely free to go on social media, to go into public, and to peacefully tell people what you think. And then you are also absolutely free to face the consequences for that. And I think protecting. Uh, 
Jew-hating Nazis, Islamo-fascist, you know, pieces of, of, of human debris that think that killing babies is fine, protecting them, uh, I think is, is, is actually not really going to be conducive to maintaining a decent society. That's my take. I, I reserve the right, though, to evolve on this point and certainly welcome your feedback. All right, when we come back, uh, yeah, we'll get to, they're, they're trying to push through an ambassador to Israel that absolutely hates Israel and loves Iran. This is causing some consternation. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right show. Sam Rajovsky here uh, behind the What's Right microphone. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. A small note here, local news. And, um, you know, I want to bring this up to your attention. Parents, please, tonight, do me a favor. If you have teens like I do at home, uh, young people, and they have access to computers, iPads, iPhones, smartphones, and the like, be aware that in our midst are child predators that pose as kids. They go online. They do. You know the story. You know exactly how this goes. Uh, Three hours ago, LVMPD Metro announced that 17 child sex predators were arrested uh, during an undercover operation. This all occurred just, what is this, just five days ago. All they did was, for two days, pose as kids online, right, detectives, investigating this. And in just that short period of time, in our own backyard, found 17 perverts who were all trying to lure your kids, my kids, into sex. This is, it's, it, I just, it's, a, it's one of those things that every once in a while we need to be reminded what a sick, sick world this is. So, by the way, if anyone here uh, has information related to uh, any kind of sex crimes against kids, the LVMPD's Internet Crimes Against Children Tax Force number is 702-828-3111. Or you can report, if you want to be anonymous, Crime Stoppers at 702-385-5555. And crimestoppersofnv.com. Crimestoppersofnv.com. Very important. I'm going to, producer Robbie, I am going to retweet a picture of this uh, of this group of guys. Boy, boy, some of them, these mugshots. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, they, they some of them look like perverts. Some of them just, yeah, there's one that looks like he just, he really just, uh, his whole life has fallen apart. But some of them, some of them genuinely look like perverts and some of them don't. Some of them don't. So, you know, but it doesn't matter what they look like in person. It's who they pretend to be online. This is the, right, this is the New York Times of, 
uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is yes of of um, of manipulated imagery and um, you know gaslighting and and of course and of course yeah this is a. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping that, that these guys all get lengthy prison terms and uh, don't see the light of day for some time now. All right. Well, the, if yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine in Washington today, getting a taste, kind of a, a firsthand uh, info on what's going on in the ground there with the speaker fight, but we, the conversation, of course, drifted to Israel. And... We're talking about Biden and how this all plays out because remember, we're still, you know, yeah, we've got an election coming up and a couple of observations in no particular order. One, Biden for now, let's put that asterisk there, for now is mostly saying all the right things about Israel. And that is because for all of the truly insane people that surround him, uh, it's obvious to me that, that he understands and his core team understands that any other position, the Rashida Tlaib position, the AOC position, is a career ending for him in his run for, for office. So, you know, because there's an election coming up, it's creating a pressure point. Now, the other observation I have, and I've mentioned this to you a few times before, is that, is that Biden is, is deteriorating very quickly. So, um, I, and, I, and I, have to, I have to say this because if, if you go back and there, there, with, with all the Trump stuff going on and, and, and you know, all, the, well, there are, there's a lot of videos now that are coming back that are becoming relevant from the election because, you know, because in, in debates, Biden baldface lied. I mean, he just, he did it. I mean, he lied blatantly about the laptop, about, about Hunter, about, Rosemont Seneca about the money from the Chicoms and, and, and Ukraine and all this. He just lied. And so there are these, you know, I'm, I'm going back now and looking at some of this material and thinking how I'm going to incorporate it into the show. But there's something that struck me is that he is in far worse overall shape today in how he speaks, in, in maintaining a, a, you know, a, a coherent thought than he was just two and a half years ago. Okay, so I'm putting that there. How does this factor into his reelection bid, and is he going to is he going to be the nominee? Because I'm, you know, I, I'm more and more of the opinion that I, I don't see how he makes it through November 2024. I just do not see how he makes it. He might make it into you know through the primaries. He he might make it into the into the convention, Democratic convention, he, you know, people will stand up in the room and give him the nod, but yeah, there's a mechanism by which they could replace him after the convention. And I, I could see it happening just by the, the, the very nature of, of his health. But there's another component to it too, and it's you're, the Democratic Party is totally screwed on this. Because they have gone to bed with the radicals. If you listen and consume mainstream media, they would have you believe that the Republican Party is close to imploding upon itself because of 
all the different factions within it, particularly the MAGA extremists, you know, the Trump people, those terrible Trumpists. And they will point to things like, for example, the speaker race, they'll say that Jim Jordan is a Trumpist and that Republicans have had it with MAGA and that a great schism is coming and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And I've always dismissed this because the reality on the ground is that Trumpism overall, and I have my criticism, but overall has been a tremendous blessing to the Republican Party and has expanded its appeal. Now, in expanding its appeal, it's become less appealing to some. Read Rhino, Democrat, you know, Republican light conservatives, in quotation marks. But overall, Trump has expanded the appeal of the Republican Party because it's brought its back, brought back more of just basic common sense conservatism. Now, at the same exact time, the, all the media outlets that are reporting about the imminent death of the Republican Party, and they've been doing this right for, man, since 2015 and the ascent, the early ascent of Donald Trump in, in the 2016 election, all those media outlets are completely silent to the fact that within the Democratic Party, there are some very strange bedfellows, right? Because you look at the extreme BLM people that have now been exposed for what they are. Then you've got, you've got the alphabet people. You've got the LGBTQIA plus people where regular ordinary gay folks are being completely marginalized by the gender freaks. Then you've got, and then, of course, the, the baby, you know, kid mutilation thing that's very hot on that side of the aisle. And, they, and it's becoming deeply, it's becoming less and less popular, okay? The more sunlight that that sees, the less popular it is. And now, as if on cue for the 2024 election, here we go. We have now discovered that a significant portion of the Democratic Party hates Jews, and when I say significant, I don't know what the exact number is, but visually, right, in terms of, of, of airtime and coverage, my gosh, these people are everywhere. They've, well, they've, you know, the, the, the minaret call went out uh, for their day of rage and they showed up. And all of a sudden we realize we have friends, we have neighbors who, um, who are harboring some truly unacceptable opinions about our fellow men and women Mankind, right? How does this play into 2024? What factor is it? And I, I was talking about this Israeli ambassador thing because Jack Lew is a, he, he's who Biden wants to have be the Israeli, uh, the U.S. ambassador to Israel. And he's, a, he's the architect of the Iran deal. He's a guy under Obama that really, you know, he, he, he did stuff in the bed, if you know the expression. I mean, he's the one who, who essentially empowered Iran to be in a position of strength. And it wasn't until Trump came along and cleaned the mess up that, that Iran went back into a, a corner. And now he wants to send this guy to Israel. So, oh, what I'm, what I'm trying to, what I mean here is that, is that what Biden is doing right now is Biden is signaling a pro-Israel, uh, you know, uh, an anti-anti-Semitism position. And he's getting applause for it. But behind the scenes, 
it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's, he's, he's making problematic moves. And yesterday in Israel, in Tel Aviv, promising $100 million right off the bat to Gaza in exchange for zero hostages, I think is a, is a, is a start of, of, of an, as an example of him not being consistent in these positions. And I think it's going to be a factor in the election. I'll explain more. Got to take a quick break here. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. In her emotional rally on the Capitol yesterday, Rashida Tlaib implored Biden to do something and said that they, I guess her and her people, would not forget his support of Israel. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show. See, this is what's interesting to me. I think, and we'll see how tonight's uh, speech from the Oval Office goes, Biden will be desperate to appear coherent. He'll read from a teleprompter. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know if we'll have Dark Brandon come out or I don't know what we're going to get. But I think that he, I, I predict he will uh, be giving support to Israel, but I also expect that the radical wing of the party is going to be upset with him over this. By the way, here was what uh, Tlaib said uh, vis-a-vis Biden at the rally. And to my president, to our president, yes, he still, are, well, hold on. I know, I, hey, They're I turning on know. him. They're turning on him. A Palestinian American is also somebody of Muslim faith. I'm not going to forget this. And I think a lot of people are not going to forget this. And it's not, it's not, it's not. There go the drums. It isn't. Oh, it's not a threat. They they think we're joking. I mean, I think the White House and everyone thinks that we're just going to sit back and let this just continue to happen. No. No, I mean, you're terrorist sympathizers. You're not going to sit back and let anything happen. I understand that, uh, Rashida. Um, you, You hear that crowd? They're getting a little restless when she brings up Biden. It's not a threat. Now, look, I mean, I, I get the jokes, right? She's, you know, they're supporting Hamas. So uh, threats, you know, not a threat saying it's not a threat. is sort of like when Putin says that our aircraft carriers are within striking distance of his hypersonic missiles. And then he says it's not a threat. Um, <laughs> uh, well, what is this, though? It's a fissure, okay? It's a fissure that is beginning to appear uh, in the in the in the kind of broad patchwork of support that Biden has, at a time that he desperately needs the support, right? Because he's running for re-election. Well, he's running in a primary, although now he does not have any real primary primary opponents declared. But at the same time, I think the person to watch is the is the shadow candidate for uh, for president on the Democrat side, which is of course Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, what's Gavin up to? Well, I'm glad you asked. He's on his way to Israel as we speak. I think he's, he's on his way right now, or he's leaving tonight. I mean, he is, he is Israel-bound to support Israel. The Democrats are in an impossible place. They can't, they can't turn their backs on 
on Israel. They'll lose a tremendous amount of donors and frankly support, rightly so. But they also need to pay some amount of lip service to these crazy wackadoodles that are increasingly uh, you know, politically active within, within, within the Democratic Party. Now it was all, you know, it was all, you know, giggles when, you know, everybody was having the BLM rallies and Biden was out there supporting BLM and these people were going, this guy's the best, right? I mean, America was burning and Biden in the midst of the election was supporting BLM. So this is, right, this was all, this was all good. They were all on the same page and suddenly they're not. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to have a, Look, to the extent that that ultimately you have Gavin Newsom saying the same exact thing as Biden, this is going to be a problem. And it's not just the Hamas-Palestine question. It's also, I'll tell you, it's also the gender stuff. The Dems are in a screwed-if-you-do, screwed-if-you-don't position because if they denounce gender mutilation of 11-year-olds, which is the common-sense position— right? Then the crazies in their party turn on them. I've shared with you the problem. I, you know, I, I've lost a couple of, of what I thought were relatively common sense Democrat friends over my position on, on, on this gender topic. Uh, because to them, it's just unacceptable. They, I'm LGBTQIA plus it's like NATO attack us one, attack us all. I'm, I'm attacking, I'm attacking anybody. I think I think I think cutting off healthy tissue on children is child abuse. It's heinous. And it ought to be condemned. But they can't see that and it's their single issue voters. It's that important to them. And so these single issue vo- voters, you know, then the Democrats need to be in a general election be put in a position where they go how what is your position? on Israel? What is your position on Hamas? What is your position on, you know, geez, I don't know, the, the gender, the, the, the pediatric gender-affirming care nonsense? And they start to go on the record with this stuff, and they're, they're, they're going to lose votes either way. They're going to lose the middle of the country, or they're going to m- lose the, the far-left extreme of their party. They need both to win, in a tight election. So I'm, I, I, I think this is, if, if I told you from the, from the start that 2024 was going to be an interesting race, I, it just got even more interesting. And that is taking out of the equation, let's just say that things sort of stay tense as they are now. And I, I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And I would not be surprised at all if Israel right now is, I think that the Gaza invasion is a little bit of a head fake. I think they're planning to do something with Iran. You know, they're, this is a, I said it from the beginning. I, I think that they are, th- this, this whole like in going into Gaza and, and saying we're going in and we're going in on this day and everybody get out by this day. I, I think they're, I think it's a diversionary tactic and I would not be surprised at all if there is some form of a decapitation strike on the table with Iran and, and by the way, the Americans know about it. 
And because they know about it, they're, that's one of the reasons why they're evacuating embassies and, 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 and getting Americans out of countries where, they're, where their safety cannot be guaranteed. I, I, think there's, I think there's something else happening. I hope I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I hope. I just, I hope, um, I hope we all come out of this, folks. But I remain optimistic as always. But I'm, I'm just telling you, there's more. There's something more going on here. I don't. Producer Robbie, we'll talk about it during the break. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Sam Urchowski here, News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Injured? Call Sam and Ash 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit salmonashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the program. Yesterday, yesterday on the What's Right show, I talked about young people feeling entitled to getting paid $200,000 a year coming out of college because they got a degree. And I got some emails from you folks about this. Uh, I think we're all in agreement here. That's my little survey of of seeing what's come through. Uh, By the way, you can always reach me, sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. So this one uh, came up on my, my radar too. It's a fascinating thing to me, and I think it's a mental health problem that people have, young people in particular, that we are posting our, you know, our, our mental breakdowns, even some of our, our thoughts, our musings, we're posting them for the world to see because it, it's, I don't know, there's some kind of bizarre, uh, I don't know, narcissism involved here. Uh, as as people as people need to do this and 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 put themselves up there for for you know affirmation or whatever it is for fame, but what this does actually inadvertently is it creates internet gold because you're seeing in a way you wouldn't before the extent of how absolutely deranged some people are. So on the heels of the young lady yesterday that we played for you who was complaining how she couldn't get a job for $200,000 without experience. She's like, the degree was the experience. And she's crying and cursing and hates America because of how she was lied to. Here is a uh, gender-confused young person who uh, got misgendered at work and decided to take matters into her own hands. Listen to this absolute gem i have this one co-worker who simply refuses to use the correct pronouns for me i've called her out every time she misgenders me and she just is resigned to not change and today just broke something in me i just snapped i ended up yelling at her after the third time she misgendered me and within like 30 minutes like they they i use they them pronouns and she got so defensive and I just started explaining to her, like, I'm sick and tired of this shit. Like, you need to at least make an attempt. And she popped off, got upset, got defensive. What are you going to do about it? And I just said, I'm going to be really hurt and sad. Like, that's all I can do about it. 
Now she goes on, Robbie, we missed the other part of the clip, which is the good one. She goes, she just couldn't stand it. Do, do we have the rest of that clip with the what, what her boss did? G give us a moment, because there's, there's more to it. They, she then goes on to say that she went to her boss, who apparently is a, a fairly woke guy and, and tolerant guy, and he told her to deal with it. And she felt so hurt, I guess, by what he said that he had to, she had to leave work and go to the beach. Can you, well, what's, what's your reaction to this? Um, my, my reaction is I hope she gets fired, right? You can't walk off a job because your feelings got hurt. But there's a, there's a, there's a more significant component to this, something I want to point out. And it goes to exactly what I've been saying about all of this, th these hateful words, right? She's yelling, I use they, them, I'm a they, them. So her coworker goes, no, I'm not doing that. What are you going to do about it? And she writes, she says, I'm, I'm going to be really hurt and sad. That's all I can do about it. And that right there is everything that is wrong with people today. Since when did we decide it's a good idea to turn over to others the keys to our emotional well-being? Since when did we decide that emotional fragility was uh, some, something to aspire to and to, to announce record, announce, and distribute to the entire internet world to see. What the hell is wrong with this person? Whatever her pronouns are. Why would you let someone else have control over how you feel? I, it, it's, well, this is the whole thing. This is, this is why the left, I, I, there's a reason for all of this, right? The, the left has, you know, in pushing the, in, in, in making kids emotionally fragile, in taking away uncomfortable thoughts, uncomfortable opinions, removing those from colleges, from indoctrinating kids into this kind of weakness, the left then can turn around and make arguments, which they do actively, saying words hurt. And because words hurt, that's why we need censorship, right? That's why the First Amendment really is, is not a good thing to have, for example, on a college campus. We, we have the First Amendment, of course, to protect BLM and Hamas supporters. You want dead Jewish babies, we're going to protect that speech. But you set up a booth and, 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 and say, to, you know, say, say to one of these snowflake students in a college, um, sorry, I, there are only two genders. And you, you saying that you're a they, them, that, that is absolutely irrelevant to me. And if you think I'm joking about this, you know that the Labour Party in Great Britain, in England, the, 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 our, our, <laughs> the, <laughs> our constitution, our laws go back to, the, you know, go, go back to, to, to foundations are an early British law. The Great Britain... The, the Labour Party, the, the left, you know, Democratic Party of Great Britain wants to actually criminalize intentionally using wrong pronouns. They want to do that. 
and and it's it's in their it's in their party platform. They've they've talked about it. They've said it out loud. And I'm well, I, I, I'm just I'm telling you, I, I think it's all two years, by the way, two years deliberately calling somebody by the wrong gender pronouns could land you in jail for two years. That's that's longer than you get for shoplifting in California. The reason the first step was to corrupt and break young people so they would become fragile adults so that they would be hurt by every bad thing that they heard that they didn't like. And then using those people, now the argument is made that we can't have free speech because it's actually physically harmful. Now, because of the First Amendment here in the country, I don't think that reasoning will work, but that is what they're trying to do. It is nothing more than a shameless power grab on the backs of the most corrupting entire generations, breaking entire generations, um, and, and making, them, making them weak and pathetic. It's astounding to me. And no one's made the connection, right? And, and it's, yeah, I, I, I tell you, I, I'm... What is it? Uh, yeah, you don't have the clip. That's okay. Producer Robbie, it's okay. The point is, the point is that this young lady uh, is so offended that somebody didn't use her own pronouns and she declares that the only thing she can do is be offended. And I'm saying that she's been taught that. That no one in her life, she didn't have a dad like me that told her, stop it. Sticks and stones can break your bones. Words can never hurt you. Say that. Repeat after me. She was rewarded at every turn by being fragile. Oh, you need, you need, you need to be safe. You need. Oh, you need some time out from the classroom. Oh, you need to. Oh, you couldn't turn in your assignment because um, because you were uh, you know your gender confused and you're going through something. At every step in the way, I predict. I know this. This person was accommodated and given benefits by virtue of a declared, you know, emotional problem. And all I'm saying is that the reason that she was able to get away with it in the schools and in in college and everything and, and, and in a workplace until this day is because we have a society that encourages this and a political ideology that encourages this uh, all, f- all for the express use and effort of limiting what conservatives say. That's the ultimate goal. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The Woods Right Show. I think I need to share this because it's so good. It's so funny. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Yes. A couple days ago, Canadian right-wing politician Pierre Polaver shows how to deal with journalists all while eating an apple. Now, I understand this is radio, so you're not, you can't quite get the visual, but it's very casual. He's standing getting questioned by a, well, a hack journalist who is, you know, who is, who is doing what biased journalists do, which is they give you a premise and you're supposed to go with their premise and when you challenge it 
uh, then that obviously creates a problem because then they don't know where to go. Listen to how this exchange begins. In terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly, you mean certainly, you, me certainly you tap, certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, you know, I mean, it's that, that type of ideological thing. I never really talk about left but or right. But anyways, a lot I of people... I don't really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. I, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some out there. He, this is what they do. They throw out these nonsense conclusions, and you're supposed to rebut the conclusion, but you, you, the minute that you challenge the conclusion that they've made, they can't back it up with facts. How easy would it have been for this journalist to say, well... For example, uh, the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, says this about you. He said, no, he has nothing to go on. Now, the reporter, Don Urquhart, is what his name is, he wrote later about his experience that uh, Polyever became acerbic when asked about questions uh, about, his, about his policy position. So then it gets to the end of it, all right? And he's still eating an apple, and he's just talking, you know, back and forth. Comments could be unamused by this guy. And he finally goes, well, I, I don't really know what you're asking. I'm not just sure. Wonder. I, don't under, I don't know what your question okay. is. Okay, then forget that. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? Common sense. We're going to make common sense common in this country. We don't have any common sense in the current government. You know... The guy prints $600 billion, grows our money supply by 32% in three years. That's growing the money eight times faster than the economy. No wonder we have the worst inflation in four decades. I'm going to cap spending, cut waste, so that we can balance the budget and bring down inflation and interest rates. You'll want to be able to pay your mortgage again. You want to be able to afford rent. Then you have to vote for Pierre Polyev because I'm the only one with a common sense plan that will bring back the buying power of your paycheck. Oh, there it is. So, I mean, by the way, you think that you think that the U.S. is bad under Biden? Try, try on Canada for size. They have Justin Trudeau, who is uh, he's he's actually less mentally capable than Joe Biden. He has no excuse for it whatsoever. A fairly young guy. And uh, but I mean, they've confiscated handguns. Their economy is absolutely in, in, in the toilet. Uh, they are overrun by just like, like us with with, uh, you know, immigrants that some of them, you know, are not assimilating, let's say, very well. They've they've got they've got issues and they, they've got an economy that is nowhere near ours. I mean, you can do some damage to the U.S. economy and it still putters along. Uh, even Bidenomics can't quite stop America or hasn't succeeded stopping America yet, but a Trudeau government is making far better headway in destroying Canada. So th th this guy could end up becoming a leader. There's an election coming up. He could end up becoming the 
the Prime Minister of Canada, and he is absolutely fantastic. And this video, I needed to share it with you. It's making the rounds. Now, it does fit. I want to say this because this, this Don Urquhart guy, this reporter, it, um, the problem right now, the connection between this video and that hysterical, you know, gender-confused gal who just gets into histrionics instead of, you know, dealing with, with facts and, and being able to control her emotion. The, the, the common thread here is, is that our universities are teaching people not, they're teaching them facts or facts as defined by the professors that teach there. They're not teaching students how to think. And that is what our schools ought to be doing. And, and it's, it, and it's by, and you see this with this reporter who's, who's not a particular young person, but he's, he's, he's throwing conclusions at his interviewee. And he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he can't go into any kind of depth on it. And that's astounding, right? But not surprising. Here is uh, Matt Taibbi talking about schools needing to teach kids. This was last night on Newsmax, teaching kids how to learn and what not to think. Um, and this is this is so good. Universities really shouldn't be in the business of uh, politics. They should be in the business of teaching young people how to think. Uh, at that age, they really don't know a whole lot, and then they need to learn how to learn. Um, right. What's happening instead is that they're being told uh, very definite things about, about political situations in place of being taught how to read and to digest and to understand. Yeah. And that's been reflected by the administrations as well. Absolutely. Now, the problem is, is that there's an enormous disincentive in the system to teach kids to be productive, right, to be thinkers, because then... I mean, where does the re reliable voting base come from? How do, you, how do you maintain those people as reliable voters for your agenda down the road? These schools are motivated to be ideological training camps for young people because it guarantees political survival, and the schools are dependent on political money. The entire student loan system exists as a form of government subsidy of higher ed. When we talk about reforming this, and I'm sorry, you know, earlier, you know, had a couple of days ago, had Vivek Ramaswamy on uh, here on the What's Right show. And, I, you know, we just didn't have enough time. 25 minutes is all we had. But one of the things I, I, I want to talk to more about is what's the fix for higher education? Because in my opinion, it's completely redoing student loans. I think the government should frankly be out of that business. And this education, the cost of education needs to go down. The enormous slush fund of funny money that is provided by the government through these unsecured, you know, I mean, where else can a young person with no history of anything suddenly apply and get themselves 100,000, 400,000 into debt, right? All said and done. Nowhere. You wanna try to start a new business? I remember this, my very first business I ever started, and I needed, I think I wanted like 10 grand or something. I couldn't get a $10,000 loan. I had to open credit cards, basically, and run up my credit cards in order to get my business off the ground. 
But I could have at the same exact moment said, I am going for a journalism degree from, you know, some bubkiss third string loss, you know, journalism school. Okay. And, and I would have immediately gotten an $80,000 loan. Think about that. That's absurd. But, you know, of course, the schools need future generations to continue voting for this type of policy, supporting education through student loans. You know, and so, so, so consequently, they, they, they're, they're, that's, that's what they do. They continue to program people. All right, quick uh, update here just before the bottom of the hour or top of the hour here as we end the show. Apparently, inside the Jordan meeting, the people have left the meeting. Every Republican who met with Jim Jordan today, the 22 that voted against him, said they would not back his candidacy for House Speaker. Multiple sources are confirming this. So there will not be another vote today. Uh, but I will tell you this. Uh, if he hangs on and stands firm, you know, things have a way of working out when, when the pressure really begins to pile on. So let's, let's see how this goes. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. As always, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury Law, the only law firm to trust with your injury case. 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. <laughs>